0: This is a message by Pastor Mark Fox of Antioch Community Church in Elon, North Carolina. For other sermons from Antioch, you can visit the church website at antiochchurchnc.org. Now, let's turn our hearts to the Word of God. Genesis chapter
1: 31, 17 to 24 and 43 to 46 and 51 and 52 from the same chapter. There's some words in here that are, it's going to be hard to pronounce, but I'm, I'm going to do my best. Here we go. Then Jacob arose and put his children and his wife upon camels. And he drove away all his livestock and all um, his property, which he had gathered. His acquired livestock, which he had Gathered in Padam Haram to go to the land of Canaan to this to his father Isaac when Laban had gone to shear his flock then Rachel stole the household idols that were her her father's and Jacob deceived Laban the Aramean but not telling him that he, he was fleeing. So he fled with all that he had, and he arose and crossed the Euphrates River and set his face towards the hills, towards the hill country of Gilead. When it was told, Laban, and the third day that Jacob had fled, then he took his kinsmen, with him and pursued him a distance of seven days' journey, and he overst- overtook him and the hill country of Gilead. God came to Laban, the arming and a dream of the night of, and said to him, be careful that you do not speak to Jacob, either good or bad. Then Laban replied to Jacob, The daughters are my daughters, and the children are my children, and the flock are my flag. and all that you see is man. But what can I do this day to these my daughters or their children whom they have borne? So now come, let us make a covenant you and I, and let it be a witness between you and me. Then Jacob took a stone and set it up as a pillar. Jacob said to his kinsmen, gather stones. So they took stones and made a heap, and they ate there by the heap. Laban said to Jacob, Behold, this heap and behold, the pillar which I have set between you and me: this heap is a witness, and the pillar is a witness that I will not pass, but this heap to you for harm, and you will not pass but this heap and the pillar to me for harm.
0: All right, amen, good morning, and thank you, everybody, the Halls family and the team for leading us. How many of you are glad that you have a rescuer? Amen? How many of you had anything to do whatsoever with your rescue? How many of you have anything to do with your continued being rescued by God? Okay, everybody understands that, right? God didn't love you more today because you read the Bible or you said amen after a prayer or whatever. He loves you perfectly. Now, we saw last week that God spoke to Jacob telling him to go back to the land of his fathers. He said, go back to the land and I will what? I will be with you, God said. So Jacob gathered his family. Jacob gathered everything that he owned. He took nothing personally, Jacob, that belonged to Laban, right? Right? He got everybody together. The whole family rode away in style on camels. Who's ridden on a camel before? (laughs) Some of you guys have ridden on camels. Uh, How comfortable is it? Not very, right? But this is a sign of wealth. Jacob has wealth because his whole family, all of his children, his wife, his wives can ride on camels, followed by a multitude of, of, of Jacob's livestock. Now, there are two steals in this passage right we know what one of them is first we're told that Rachel stole her father's household gods his idols his teraphim why would she do that we're not told lots of speculation here I'll give you some of the ideas one is this is not a good one that she herself worshiped them hopefully that wasn't it or they were sometimes used as as deeds to property So she took these idols that would be deeds to property that belonged to her father so that he would not be able to give property to the other siblings that were left behind. She would have those deeds. Now on a slightly more positive note, maybe she took them because she didn't want her father, who was a diviner, remember he found found things out through divination, to use the idols to somehow get information about where they were and come and find them. Okay, maybe, maybe that was it. Or maybe she just took them to punish her father for the way he treated her husband for 20 years. Or maybe it's just monetary, right? These idols were made out of precious metal, perhaps, and she said, "Hmm, I think I'll take these. They look like they could be worth something in the land we're going to. Doesn't matter, really doesn't matter why, but for whatever reason she told him. And look, because she stole the idols of her father, she put herself and her family in grave danger. Because think about it. Would Laban have even bothered to chase after them for, for days on end into the wilderness if they had not taken something very valuable to him? Maybe not. So she put herself in harm's way. The other steal is more subtle. Verse 20 20 says, Jacob tricked Laban. You see that? It says tricked. I think your version said deceived. But the ESV says tricked. And the word there literally means she stole his heart. Or he stole Laban's heart. Jacob stole Laban's heart. So there's a play on words here by Moses. The wife steals. The husband steals. And they all leave Now, when Laban catches up to them, remember he asks Laban, I mean, Jacob, why did you leave? Why did you leave in the middle of the night? Why did you not say goodbye? Why did you leave like that? And remember what Jacob said? You read the whole text this week, I'm trusting. That's why I asked Jesus to read a little of it, so it wasn't so long. He says, because I was afraid. I left because I was afraid. Right? Because God, because God has seen what you have doing done to me and the Lord told me to go back home and I left I didn't tell you because I was afraid of you Donald Barnhouse says I think this is a, this is a great point he could have announced his departure and gone in the glory of an army with banners but fear made it impossible to reap the full measure of blessing he sneaked away into the will of God instead of departing in triumph listen saints fear steals blessings sometimes people don't do things out of fear and they miss a blessing they don't go somewhere out of fear and they miss a blessing. Church, I mean, how many people are still not coming to church because they're afraid they might get sick? They, they miss a blessing because of fear. And that's why, that's why Jacob missed an opportunity to, before Laban and before all the household and before all the kinsmen, to give glory to God. The Lord has spoken to me and he said, Your time here is done and I'm going and God's going with me. And thank you all for being our host for the last 20 years. But we're gone tomorrow morning. And let's let's celebrate the Lord in that way. Well, let's look at this story under three main points. That's just an intro. Laban's reproach, Jacob's response, and then pillar of separation. Now, Laban got word that Jacob had left three days earlier. Okay, so he took a posse of his kinsmen and they took off after them for miles and miles. What is our clue that Laban was intending to do Jacob harm? And not catch up to his family so he could give a big old sloppy kiss to his daughters and to his grandchildren and give them parting gifts. What's the clue that we have in the scriptures? God appeared to Laban in a dream. Do you remember when God appeared to somebody else in the dream and said, you're in big trouble, buddy. Remember that? His name was Abimelech. That's in Genesis 20. He said, Abimelech, you're a dead man because of the woman you've taken. And Abimelech took Sarah into his house, into his harem, if you will. So God appears to Laban in a dream, and he says to him, Hey, when you catch up with Jacob, you do not say anything good or anything bad. Now, would you infer from that if God said you, that to you, that you also are not to do them physical or bodily harm? Yes. If you're not supposed to even say something bad to someone, you're certainly not supposed to kill them right, and take all their stuff back to your house. But were lies included in that? I mean, God didn't specifically say not to lie to Jacob, did he? But that's exactly what Laban does. If you could count these lies. These are the lies of Laban. I think that's a good name for a bad band. Lies of Laban. Here they are. Number one, you have driven away my daughters like captives of the sword. Uh, Not really, Laban. They went willingly, and actually they went gladly with me. Okay. Number two, uh, we could have sent you away with a celebration. Really, Laban? You would have celebrated the loss of your source of blessing and your source of income for 20 years? You would have celebrated that? Come on, Laban, be real. Number three, it's in my power to do you harm. Well, theoretically, it was in his power to do him harm, but spiritually, was it? No. God has spoken to him and said, "No, no, don't even say anything bad to Jacob," and that implies that if you do anything bad to Jacob, you're going to have me to answer for, uh, answer to. And so that wasn't truth easier. And finally, he says, "You stole my gods," and well, actually, Laban, that was your daughter, not me. So Jacob says, "Whoever stole his gods should die." He's not knowing at this point that Rachel, his daughter, has stolen her father's gods and placed them in a safe place. And so he, he, Laban just tears the, tent, the, the the camp apart. It's interesting, the order. He starts with, with Jacob's tent, right? He figures Jacob's lying. He stole the gods. I'm going to start with your tent, Jacob. He rips it apart, looks under everything, nothing there. Then he goes to Leah's. Then he goes to the two servant wives. And finally, he comes to Rachel's tent. Now, Rachel, his second daughter, was skilled in deceit, <laughs> Just like her father. And she probably had picked up a few tips along the 20 years from her husband. Right? Children learn what they live with. And she learned well how to be a deceiver. And it works. She's able to compound this theft with a lie about why she was sitting on a camel saddle. Right on top of the gods who were underneath her. Under the cat uh, saddle. <laughs> which begs the question... If these were gods, could they not have told Laban, Hey, Laban, we're right here, right under the saddle. We're right here, dude. Come on. If these were gods, could they be covered up and completely ripped of their power? And of course, we know the answer to that, right? There is no God but the God of Israel. So Laban's search comes up empty, and his lies are done. Now let's look at Jacob's response. Jacob's response, you've heard the story, the old story of the man who says to his counselor, every time my wife and I get into a fight, she goes historical. And the counselor says, you mean she gets hysterical? He said, no, I mean she goes historical. She tells me every single thing I've ever done. And that's what Jacob's getting ready to do to Laban, right? Do Do you think maybe he's practiced this speech for 20 years out in the cold and the snow and the rain with the sheep taking care of him and thinking about all the ways Laban has messed him up and he's thought about, boy, if I ever get a chance, I'm going to let him have it. You ever do that? You ever think about that? Somebody hurt you and you rehearse in your mind? Boy, when I get the chance, I'm going to give them... A piece of my mind. I remember Vance Havner said, "Don't give people pieces of your mind. You don't have enough to spare, right? I mean, come on, hold on to that piece." So it, when we think about that, when we rehearse an offense, when we think about how we've been hurt, you know what is you know who is hurting, right? It's not hurting the other person, right? Holding on to bitterness is like you know drinking poison and waiting for the other person to die. You're just simply making yourself sicker and sicker and more and more bitter. And more and more alienated from uh, people and from the Lord when we do that. So anyway, he, he, may, have been, he may have been practicing this speech. But he's going to speak truth to Laban. There are no lies here. He's going to speak truth. Let's break out some of the things he said about uh, his work and his mistreatment. Look at this argument. Number one, he says, I've been faithful for 20 years. He's saying I had integrity in my work. I worked hard for you, Laban. For twenty years. Number two, no no miscarriages. Right? In other words, your flock has never miscarried. Jacob cared about that. He was careful with the flock that belonged to him and careful with the flock that did not belong to him, and he was doing the right things to prevent miscarriages. Number three, I've not eaten your rams. This is interesting. Right? I mean, you could have lamb chops every night if you just told the boss, Yep, yeah, a wolf got another one. Sorry, man. I mean these wolves out here, terrible. But Jacob did not increase his lifestyle, his Style of living at Laban's expense. Number four, every torn carcass I've brought to you and replaced from my own herd. Now, the customary thing I found out this week is back in those days, if there was a, a carcass you could bring to the owner and say, look, I rescued this from the wolf, right? I, I risked my life to get this out of the wolf's mouth before he could devour it. And look, here it is. Here's the proof. Jacob didn't even do that. He just replaced The lost sheep with his own sheep and with his own goats at his own expense. Number five, I suffer the heat and the cold and the loss of sleep that comes with the job. Jacob sacrificed for Laban's success. I love Derek Kidner's quote here. There's no question that shepherds are compared to elders in in 1 Peter 5. The tale of hardships and the stringent corrective to romantic ideas of the biblical shepherd. This and nothing idyllic is the pastor's, and I would add, the elder's calling. Those who tend to the needs of the flock. Do it in the heat and the cold and the, and the reproach and the indifference and all, sometimes often the thanksgiving that comes as well. Number six, I didn't put this on the slide. Jacob says, you, ch- you changed my wages ten times. Now ten was a round number. It often was used to mean a lot of times. He's not exactly 10. You changed my wages every time it was convenient for you, Laban. And I kept working anyway. And I kept taking care of your flock anyway. He he suffered repeated unfairness from his father-in-law. Number seven, if we're not for God's protection, I would have nothing. For you would have come to take everything away that belongs to me. Now, it's interesting to me. I don't know if you read this. I don't think you read this this verse. Look at at verse 53. I'm sorry, 42. If the God of my father, the God of Abraham, and the fear of Isaac had not been on my side, surely now you would have sent me away empty-handed. God saw my affliction and labor. Now look, who does he recognize here? Jacob says, the God of my father. Who's his father? Isaac. Isaac's God. And the God of... Abraham, that's his grandfather's God, right? And then the fear of Isaac, that was another way of saying the God whom Isaac feared. It's interesting, though, that Jacob never says, if it were not for my God. I think at this point, Jacob's faith is still more borrowed than owned. And we're going to see that change next week, Lord willing. We'll see that. At the wrestling match at Peniel. So then Laban then responds with more lies. He says, the daughters, the children, the flocks, all that you see is mine. <laughs> right? Come on, Laban. Don't you get it yet? That is God's blessing that you have gotten because of Jacob. Because of Jacob's God's promise to Jacob, you have been the beneficiary. What are you talking about? All this is mine. And if if Laban could be here today, if he could suddenly materialize, he would say the same thing. He went to his grave still thinking, I do everything in my own strength, and I'm the reason I am successful. He never bowed the knee to God. He never bowed the knee to the Lord and gave him glory. Henry Morris wrote, uh, rather than seeking to follow the truth of God's plan as witnessed by Jacob, Laban merely resented and coveted the blessing of God on Jacob. He finally ended up with neither. His life constitutes a sober warning to a great host of semi-religious but fundamentally self-worshiping and self-seeking men and women today. Wow, that's that's a strong warning, right? To Everybody who darkens the door of a church and says they're Christian, but they're really self-worshippers and they're self-seeking, not God-seeking. Laban didn't want to have anything to do with God. He one wanted had to have something to do with the blessings that came from God to the people who followed God. But don't get me confused with somebody who really believes in God. Come on. Well, that leads us to pillar of separation. Laban says to him, okay, let's, uh, let's make a covenant, you know, you and me, right? It's interesting that Laban felt like he needed protection from Jacob coming back to put on Aram. He needed to make sure that Jacob was going to take care of Jacob's wives, his daughters, and he needed to make sure that Jacob was not going to mess up the family dynamic because, you know, he's got four wives and five would probably be a crowd. He didn't want Jacob to get another wife. And look, Jacob has no intention of doing any of that, especially what? Going back. Jacob's going home. There's no way he's ever coming back to put on Aram. There's no way that he's going to come and mess with Laban. He wants nothing more to do with Laban. So if there was protection needed for anyone, it was protection for Jacob, right? But God had that covered and Jacob knew it, so he, he's, he's free. Look, when we're under the covenant of God and we know he has our life from the womb to the tomb and on beyond, then we can feel free to live at peace with all people. Doesn't mean we join in their ways, but we have we can be at peace with them. We don't have to protect ourselves from those who have different beliefs. We simply speak the truth. I read an article yesterday. It's not in my notes, but yesterday on Gospel Coalition, how to witness to a Muslim, things to be careful with in witnessing to a Muslim. And he said one of the, one of the biggest mistakes Christians do when they witness to Muslims is that they get angry and they get defensive about their God and they, and they, and they get uh, you know, uh, up in arms about their, their religion and what they believe. Look, we don't have to do that. We don't have to be defensive. We don't have to be angry. We don't have to be belligerent. We just speak the truth. It's like Spurgeon said, he said, we don't have to defend the Bible. The Bible, the, the word of God is a lion. Simply let it out, right? And so when, when Jacob says, yeah, I'll, I'll do a covenant with you, it, it was, he was fine living in peace with Laban. He knew he'd probably never see him again, didn't want to see him again. But he, he could have peace with this man because he knew he was God's. He belonged to the Lord. And so do we. So they set up a monument in the hill country of Gilead. You notice that Jacob set up one pillar, one God. And then Laban's kinsmen, and Jacob's kinsmen, but Laban's people, they piled up multiple stones because they believed in multiple gods. So Laban covered himself by appealing then to the God of Abraham. It's like somebody wearing, you know, a, a rabbit's foot and they got the cross and then they've got the sun, you know, the, maybe the, the sickle, the you know, the mislam. I'm going to just cover myself, you know, in case, in case I'm wrong. Laban was that kind of guy. He did not have faith in God. He just had faith in multiple gods. But then Laban says, the Lord watched between you and me when we we're out of one another's sight. That sounds nice, doesn't it? The Lord watched between... Look, this was not a version of the Irish blessing. May the road rise to meet you. I wish I could do my Irish accent. Kat, you here? May the wind be always at your back. No. You know what he he meant when he said, the Lord watch between you and me? He said, listen, if you cross past this barrier, I want you to understand that your God may try to protect you, but I'm going to shoot to kill. So this is not a, hey, let's, let's live together in harmony and I love you and you love me. This was, okay, we're going to separate and you better not come in my territory because if you do, it's over. So there are no hugs, there's no tearful goodbyes. Uh, Jacob does more than Laban, though, who just offers a few words. Jacob offers a sacrifice to God to seal his commitment to Laban and he gathers the family including Laban and other kinsmen and they break bread together i think this is another step in the sanctification of this patriarch jacob right we've seen him grow up some right he at least when he leaves this relative he's not leaving this relative who has a plot to kill him and has said so but he's going back who's he going back towards esau who did make a vow To kill him. More on that next Sunday. So when they awaken in the morning, Laban kisses his daughters, the grandchildren, the two men part ways. And Jane Boyce, and I'll close with this, says this This is the last we hear of Laban in the Bible. It's good that this is the end of him. Laban is of the world. And Jacob needed to be freed from this world in order to live wholeheartedly for the God of his fathers. And we do too. We still live in the world. We have friends in the world. We love those friends but our worship, our devotion, our allegiance is to God and Him alone, and that's why we gather on Sunday morning, to be strengthened and encouraged as soldiers in this battle that is ongoing so that we can be reminded, hey, God's for you, and He's with you, and He will bring you all the way to the very end. Let's pray. Father, we're thankful again for Your Word and for what we can learn from these stories that are so many centuries old, and seems such a long time ago, and yet mankind, the nature of man has not changed since then. We're still lost without you. We're still saved with you, and we're happy and holy in you as we walk in your grace and your mercy. Lord, as we get ready to take communion now, uh, prepare our hearts to just renew those promises that uh, that remind, remind us of those promises you've made to us. And our commitment to you when we bow the knee Uh, because you gave us faith to do so, and that we might live in that promise uh, today and the rest of our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this message by Pastor Mark Fox of Antioch Community Church in Elon, North Carolina. Antioch meets every Sunday for worship at 10 o'clock a.m. at 1600 Powerline Road in Elon. You can download other messages by Pastor Fox at antiochchurch.cc. You can also learn how to order his books or subscribe to his blog at jmarkfox.com.